Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 175. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT Podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Next Step Test Prep, the MCAT Podcast is here to make sure you have the information you need to succeed on your MCAT test day. We all know that the MCAT is one of the biggest hurdles you'll face as a pre-med, and we're here to give you the motivation and information that you need to know to help get you the score you deserve so you can one day call yourself a physician. Welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray. As always, I'm joined by Phil from Next Step Test Prep. If you haven't listened to any of our other podcasts yet, go check them out, premedpodcasts.com. And don't forget to subscribe to all of the podcasts you can get for free in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's go and jump into another great episode here all about the MCAT. Fill back for some more MCAT podcast with Next Step Test Prep and you, Phil, the master of disaster <laughs> or the disaster master, which whichever one you want to. Yeah, one of the two. Say. Yeah. Um, diving some, uh, further into the psych uh content outline from the AAMC, we have a little rapid fire um, terminology and, and breakdown today of our 9A, content category 9A. What do we have in store for us today? So we actually have some really big picture, just ways to look at society, right? We've, we've talked a lot about like some really specific things and like psychological disorders and like ways to increase and decrease behavior, but we haven't talked about ways to just like look at society, right? And ways to think about society. So we're going to talk about some of these like big theoretical societal um, views. Something that's kind of interesting, we are like starting to reach the end of this psych-social outline. We've been working on this for a couple of months. I think this is the, we only have two more sections after 9A. So we've kind of transitioned from psychology into more of sociology at this point, um, which makes sense considering like today we're going to be talking about society. Okay, let's do it. So we got a couple of like big, big picture stuff. And a lot of these can be kind of confusing because they kind of don't mean anything in like human normal speak, right? Like social constructionism or like functionalism. Those are very vague, bland answers, mm. right? They're just like, you know, they, I don't know if like, if, if I had never heard of these things, like what's, what's conflict theory? Like, I don't know, something about fighting, right? Um, but it's a little bit more, more in depth. So functionalism, we're going to go through, we got five of them here. I'm going to try to get through. So okay. functionalism is the idea that we, like certain things in society have functions. And so a functionalist is looking at the functions of things. So um, if we were looking at a, uh, like a fire department, 
What would you say is the function of a fire department? Uh, to put out fires. Right. Like, but actually, when you look at the majority of what they're doing, they're responding to, to yeah, medical yeah. issues. It's, it's to get cats out of trees. That's their, <laughs> their main function. And that actually kind of hits uh, something that you're kind of like hinting at there is, according to a functionalist, some things will have like manifest functions, which is like the big main reason it exists. Mm-hmm. But there's also latent functions, which are like smaller things that they also do and they also provide value to society. Mm. So I would agree, like the main function of a fire department is to like stop fires, but latent functions, there's a lot of things, right? Like um, to decrease property taxes in an area because your like houses are less likely to burn down or maybe insurance is what I'm thinking. Like it'll decrease insurance. Like if you live next to a fire department, your Mm -hmm. insurance will probably be less. Yep. Um, So it'll decrease insurance. It gives people jobs. Yeah. Right. And so that's a function of the fire department. It's not the main one. So it's yep. not the manifest function. It's a latent function okay. to give people or give um, people for kids to like look up to. Right. Or to just have an idea of like some hunky people that live in the neighborhood. Right. If you're into that. Um, and so those are the all latent functions. Okay. So after that, we have conflict theory, which is championed by Karl Marx, the founder of socialism. So conflict theory is this idea that there is conflict between classes. There's like an upper class and lower class, and these people are in conflict. So the upper class, like the owners of companies, the employers, they want to like have people do work, do as much work as possible, and they want to pay them as little as possible, right? Like if I'm an employer, what I'd really like is if my employees all worked 24 hours a week or 24 hours a day, for free. For, for free, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would be great. Um, and that's in direct conflict with what the employees want, right? Yeah. The employees want to make $600 an hour watching Netflix. Right? <laughs> that's, that's what they want. So there's this conflict here. Um, but according to uh, Mr. Marx, the idea here is that this is not a super balanced conflict because the people with the money tend to have more um, control. And so there's, they also can create conflict within the lower classes. So if I like really went to my boss and I'm working in a factory and I'm like, okay, listen, you're going to pay me $50 an hour to do this job. I know you can afford it. Like the guy's going to be like, well, then I'm going to hire somebody else. And now I'm in conflict, not just with the boss, but I'm in conflict with other people in my class. And so the idea here is upper class can, can like you know, set the like the lower class against each other. And this kind of creates this unbalanced conflict where we have some people trying to um, take advantage of others. It's like uh, it's like fraternity hazing. You have the upper classmen taking advantage <laughs> of the lower classmen. Right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> um, that doesn't so, exist anywhere, though. No, of course not. Um, <laughs> so one thing to be really careful of is every time I've ever seen the AAMC ask about conflict theory socialism or something related to socialism has been another answer choice. So the idea here is Karl Marx brought up conflict theory in order to like explain how he, um, like why he came to the ideas of socialism. So socialism is let's give everyone all the same resources, right? And so it doesn't matter if you're the, the company owner or the company employee, like everyone is getting the same stuff with the idea. Then there, um, people would go into the jobs, not just for the money or the power, or like, you know, that sort of thing, but because they, would be good at the job and would like it. And so like maybe teachers, like there are some people out there that would be really great teachers, but they don't want to be a teacher because they don't want like the low money, right? They want to have money. And so if we made it so that the teachers and the CEO of Facebook made the same amount of money, then the people who'd be really good and like to teach 
are going to go into teaching. Um, and yeah. so it's going to kind of like even things out there. So I, I heard a podcast this morning. It was Malcolm Gladwell's brother uh, is a is a principal in in Canada, and he came down to a like a a principals conference here in the states. And he's like, everybody, all they talked about was like, how do we retain teachers? Like, there's such a high turnover. And he's <laughs> like, uh, he's like, I've lost like one teacher in six years. It's like, um, it's amazing what happens when you pay them what they're worth. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, there's something kind of going on there. But like, you want? I've, I love Malcolm Gladwell, by the way. I'm like, now I'm gonna yep. have to like look up that podcast and listen yeah. to it. It was it was the Dak Shepherd podcast, Armchair Expert. Ah, well, there you go. It's really good. Um, so it's just really important that you pull apart conflict theory and socialism, because if you're going to have an answer or question about one of them, the other one's going to be a wrong answer choice because students know they both kind of came from Karl Marx and one kind of led to the other. So it's a little bit confusing. Car mm. Conflict theory is the idea of like the fight between the classes. Socialism is the solution to that, according to Karl Marx. Okay. So after that, we have symbolic interactionism, which is looking at how people interact with symbolically, right? Like, obviously I'm just like saying the words over again. Um, but the idea here is like, there are certain ways you can do things and it means something to some people. Like for example, if I shook your hand, right? There is something to that, like an idea of respect or something that's different than me flipping you the bird. With right? your left hand. Cause that would kind of be like anti-folk. Right. I'm, I'm breaking the folk way there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So the idea there is just that like there's some interactions we can do. I can like flip you the bird and that might mean something in a different culture, right? Maybe it's, maybe it's a compliment somewhere else. Yeah. And so we as a society start to develop these ways to interact with each other symbolically. Now, in order, like any question I've ever seen where symbolic interactions is the correct answer, you have to be really careful. You're looking for an interaction. You cannot have symbolic interactionism if you don't have two parties, mm. right? So, so if, if like something, something is written down or something. Right. And like, it's not given to anybody else. Or it's like, if you're like writing down something, like I write Delta and all of my notes to mean change because it's shorthand, that's not symbolic interactionism because that's not an interaction. So you always have to have two parties. And that's the easiest way to separate symbolic interactionism from everything else, because the other ones don't really require two parties, like specifically interacting mm -hmm. um, versus symbolic interactionism does. Okay. So we also have social constructionism. So from symbolic interactionism to social constructionism, these are like just like big piles of words. Social constructionism is talking about like social constructs, which is when we as a society give something value. We decide it has value. Mm -hmm. Like um, the, the most obvious, easy example that everyone goes to is money, right? Like if all of a sudden society decides my $20 bill doesn't have any value, then it doesn't have any value, right? Mm -hmm. Like my $20 bill, I can't eat it, but get energy. Um, <laughs> Like, you know, like a grilled cheese has inherent value, right? So there's no const constructs going on there. Like if you eat that, that will provide you nutrients. You will live longer if you are starving. And that's like a set value versus some things we can kind of like give value to. Money is always the classic example, which means money is probably not what the MCAT's going to talk about. Mm -hmm. They're going to talk about something a little bit more confusing because they want to like trip people up and see who really, really understands this. So social constructs don't have to be like physical objects, like a dollar bill. They could be um, an idea. Things like honor or uh, bravery, chivalry. What about virginity. something like our school system? Would that be a social construct? Um, like the fact that you have to go to school at kindergarten and... maybe. I, I, I would argue that there is some inherent value to knowledge in and of itself, mm. right? So like the other, like, for example, bravery, like if you are on a deserted island, 
like bravery does not help you, right? Um, like it doesn't physically like if you have bravery, you have maybe that's a bad example. Let's go. Let's go with a different social construct, like honor, right? Yeah. Having honor is something we all ag- agreed at some point. This is good, mm-hmm. right? Honor is a good thing. Um, and so we have like if you're on a like a deserted island, like having honor, like what is that? That's not going to help you survive, right? Yeah. So that's not something you can kind of like go with there. Education, I would may- say maybe is not a social construct because there is some inherent value with knowing things. Okay. So education, I would maybe put like has some value. It's not necessarily a social construct. Okay. But um, like the, a certain value to like where you live. Like if we decided like oh, living in this area makes you better. That's a social construct, right? Like I'm from Beverly Hills, right? And you expect <laughs> that to open doors for you. Like yeah. there's like society has decided that this is valuable. Okay. Um, and so I would put like honor, bravery, things in there as well. Okay. So the, the last of the terms is exchange rational choice. And this is kind of a, like a part of me is like, this is really awful, but maybe it isn't. Exchange rational choice is the idea that we view social interactions as exchanges. So whenever I do something for you, I expect something in return. And this is something that has can have some really big dark sides, right? Like a guy buys dinner for a girl and maybe expects something in return, right? Like that's that's an exchange rational choice that there's some like social exchange going on, or at least from the guy's point of view. And that's like something I'm like, uh, not necessarily a great thing. But on the other hand, like I have to admit, like there's things I see as social exchanges. Like I have a neighbor that I like anytime I take out my trash, I take out their trash. And like, you know, it's a single mom with lots of kids and like she could use a hand. Um, and so like I do that. But like in the back of my mind, at least subconsciously somewhere, there's the idea that if I'm out of town and I need someone to let out my dog, she probably would like because I take out her trash for her. And like that's there's a little bit of a, like an exchange going on there with kind of like the idea. Now, what's tricky is this exchange rational choice. Not everyone is going to have the same thought process. So like she might not see that as equal at all. And she'd be like, how dare you ask me to take out your, or let out your dog um, to go to the bathroom. And like, that's, so that's something to be kind of careful of um, is the, like the viewpoints can differ, but like the overall idea of exchange rational choice is looking at society and assuming that social interactions are some form of an exchange. Okay. Oh man. Psych is just like mind just cluster yeah, mind no- yeah it's, it's so many just like vocab yeah right? like you know functionalism construct theory you know like social constructs symbolic interactionism exchange rational choice all of these are just i feel like piles of random words that you yeah. you know like you have those like fridge magnets and you just like reach in <laughs> like pull out like three random words it's like exchange rational choice okay these are words yeah um and like we we give it meaning this is why mm. it's really important to like go through this outline is yeah. because unless you've looked at and thought about these things, you're not going to be able to puzzle this out. Yeah. Which is something that you might be able to do in the chem phys or the bio section, like using like the units of the answers or mm-hmm. like, well, I know this sort of like a positive, this thing's probably going to be positively charged, this molecule, because of all of those lysines going on. And like, you can kind of like puzzle things out and figure things out. But if you have never heard of symbolic interactionism, then you're not going to be able to figure that out, yeah. which is why I really like going through this, this mm-hmm. document. All right, so there you have it. Again, Phil from Next Step Test Prep. If you want to hang out with Phil for a little bit longer, maybe like four days a week for a couple hours at a pop, check out Next Step Test Prep's MCAT course. The MCAT class that they have is an amazing class, and I did a full review at mcatcoursereview.com. 
they have the best course in my mind right now because of their live office hours, which are five days a week, usually two hours at a time. And Phil, as of right now, does four of those five days. He's an amazing teacher, loves helping students figure out the MCAT, all of the nooks and crannies of the MCAT to get the best score possible. Go check it out. And if you qualify for FAP, you can get some even bigger discounts. Just contact Next Step Test Prep. Let them know you heard about them here on the podcast to get a deal. Again, go check out MCATCourseReview.com. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the MCAT Podcast. This is MedEd Media.